You're the man of the house. I want to come talk to you, Mono E. Mano. <laughs> See what he did there? You're a man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just take a minute. I don't want to take away from that pagan golf tournament that you're probably watching in there. But it did hit me when I saw the trashy secular Easter decorations that you have outside your house that you probably don't go to church to worship our Lord and Savior except for Christmas and Easter, like 68.7% of the rest of the American population. Oh, you're my little bamboo. None for the neighbors stay on track. Oh, oh, well, the reason why we're here is because we wanted to invite you to our Easter services at our church. Now, I made the plan of salvation into these Easter eggs here, and each color represents something you've done wrong. What my dear wife is trying to say, when we leave on a Sunday morning to go to church, your car stays out in the driveway, which makes me know that you probably don't go to church unless you're holding a church service in there or something, but I don't think so. So how about you pack up your brood and you come with us to church service on Easter Celebration Sunday, huh? Okay, sure. I mean, my, my wife and I were just talking about where we would go this Easter, so sure, we'll give your, your church a shot. Houston, we have a problem. What's the matter? No one's ever said yes to us before. Oh, uh, what do we do? Well, we just back away slowly. Oh, all right. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Don't look at him in the oh, eye. Oh, he could oh, take away your soul. Okay. okay all uh, right. Well, just leave the eggs in the mailbox. You sure will. Uh, now, the big red one represents your sin. <laughs> it's a sin egg. <laughs> all We hope to see you there. We'll save you a seat, okay? Really? No, that's just an intimidation tactic. <laughs> okay, toodles. How you like that? <laughs> uh, please do invite people to uh, to worship with us uh, next Sunday at Easter. Um, it's 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 a great time to invite people. You don't have to do it like this couple did it though. Uh, as a matter of fact, please don't. Uh, but but please do extend that invitation to people to uh, to worship with us next uh, next Sunday on Easter. We welcome you here. We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, it's Palm Sunday today. And it's, uh, it's great to be with God's people today as we worship the Lord. And we welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our, our worship as we, uh, as we gather together in his name. Um, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets uh, that are on the, each row on the, in the, uh, the maroon folder there. We would like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. But especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter uh, that comes out each Thursday, be sure to put your email address on there and we will uh, get you on that list. It's a good way to keep up with the uh, Opportunities for service here and, and worship and fellowship here at Community Baptist Church. And if you would do that, we'd certainly appreciate it. It is uh, uh, Holy Week. We are beginning Holy Week today. It also happens <clears throat> to, be, to be spring break this week, and uh, a lot of people are, are out of town during this week, and we recognize that um, our, our children are celebrating that. Uh, but uh, it, it, And teachers, too. <laughs> I got that nod from the teacher. <laughs> Teachers are celebrating that as well. 
Um, but because it is spring break, we'll have a little modified uh, schedule this week. We will not be having dinner on Wednesday, but we will be having our other activities on Wednesday evening. We'll be having our, our Bible studies for all ages and, and uh, mission studies for all ages at 630. Choir? No choir. No choir this week. No choir this, this um, Wednesday. Um, also, it is, it is Holy Week, and so we have some things that are going on in conjunction with that. On Thursday, it's Monday, Thursday, and we, we have been having our Lenten lunches on Wednesdays uh, throughout the, the season of Lent. Uh, this week, we will not be having a Lenten lunch on Wednesday. We will be having lunch on Thursday, Monday, Thursday, at Zion uh, UCC. And, and I will be preaching there on Thursday this week. And then on Friday, on Holy Friday, on Good Friday, uh, we will be meeting together to worship at Holy Name, going through the Stations of the Cross. And both of those will be at 12 noon, a uh, brief, about a half an hour service, and then followed by a good lunch together. And then, of course, next Sunday is Easter, which will begin with our sunrise service at 6.30 at the uh, the prayer garden at Methodist Hospital that's in the back there facing the river. Uh, that's 6.30 uh, Sunday morning. And then we'll come here at uh, 9 for our fellowship uh, cafe here and our regular uh, worship uh, activities that day. A big thank you to everyone who uh, participated and, and helped with our Easter Fest yesterday. Wonderful time. Thank you, Mary, for, for your organization and for everybody with help that helped with that. And for a big thanks also to those who served lunch at the Salvation Army yesterday, uh, a, a vital ministry that we have, and, um, and we are appreciative for all that you do. It's good to be with God's people and to express the love of God to one another. So let me invite you to stand, if you are able, to, uh, to greet each other in the name of the Lord and just uh, express the love of God to one another for just a moment. Hello, choir. How are y'all? Hey, man. How you doing? Good to see you, Josh. Thank you so much. It's good to share God's love with one another. Now, if you would join me, please, with our responsive reading uh, titled Hosanna. It's printed in your worship folder and also will be on the on the screen. 
How do we know you, Lord? We know you are like a hen who gathers her chicks under her wing. We know you because we have friends and families who are with us when we feel like waving palms and in the times of our deepest sadness. Now we see you entering the holy city, being worshipped as a king. We find ourselves in the crowd asking, who is this before whom we sing glory, laud, and honor? Who is this before whom we wave our palms and worship? Who is this whose name brings salvation and life wherever it is preached? It is Christ our Savior who lifts our hearts in praise. Hosanna! Blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. and the children are now invited to come forward. Come on down here on the carpet, Jerry. Come on with the boys. 
We got a small crowd today, but that's okay. Even if there's one, it's all worth it. Hi. How are you guys today? Are you doing good? Are you doing good? You are? Is this your little brother? No. No? I didn't know. Well, today is Palm Sunday, and that's the Sunday before Easter. Do you know what Easter is? What? Well, besides egg hunts, what is Easter? Well, his rising, actually. Good Friday is the day that he was crucified, and on Easter Sunday he arose. But Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. And on that day, many years ago, Jesus was getting ready to go into Jerusalem, and he told his disciples to go get him a donkey. And then they brought him the donkey, and he got on it and rode it into Jerusalem. Well, all the people who were around started putting their coats on the ground for the donkey to walk on. And some people got palm branches, and they laid them down on the ground for the donkey to walk on. And because today is Palm Sunday, in just a minute, because today is Palm Sunday, in just a minute, we're going to sing a song called Hosanna, Laud Hosanna. And when we sing that song, I'm going to hand out some palm branches, and we're going to get to walk around and wave our palm branches. And that's in recognition of honoring and praising Jesus and God and saying thank you for all that you've done for us. Okay? Before we sing a song, let's say a little prayer. Our Father in heaven, we have so much to be thankful for, and we thank you for these children. We pray that you be with those who aren't here today, and let them know that they are loved just as much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Got some palm branches. Do you want a palm branch, little guy? Here you go, sir. Here you go, bud. Here, I'll give you two. One for each hand. There you go. Come here and get your palm branch, little guy. Okay. Katie's going to lead us around as we sing our next song.
Our scripture reading is found in Mark 11, 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve.
Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, this morning as we gather here, we gather with thankful hearts, thanking Thee, Father, for the many blessings that You have provided us this week. We thank Thee, Father, for the beautiful flowers, for the beautiful weather. We thank Thee, Father, for this building, for this church, and for what it has meant in my life. We pray, our Heavenly Father, this morning that you will be with our pastor, Brother Tim, that you will give him the word. We pray, Father, that it's true coming to thy house this morning that we might learn study the word. We might become a better servant for thee, more dependable, more loving, more kind, and more forgiving. We ask thee, Father, that you will be with this tithes and offering, that you will bless them, that you will guide and direct us. Forgive us for we fail thee, for we ask thee all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, 
this celebration of Palm Sunday. Today is a a joyous occasion as we remember the crowds of people who lined the streets of Jerusalem to welcome our master into their city. Ironically, today also happens to be April Fool's Day. But maybe that's, not, that's more appropriate than ironic. I mean, after all, the Apostle Paul taught us that the gospel is foolishness to those who do not believe. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles is the phrase that he used. So maybe April Fool's Day is a very appropriate day for us to celebrate Palm Sunday. I was reading recently about a truck driver. His name was Cornelius who specialized in hauling animals, especially cows. And usually he hauled live cows, but every once in a while he also hauled dead cows that needed to be disposed of. And sometimes he was hired to haul other kinds of animals as well. Well, one April Fool's Day, he received a telephone call, and the voice on the other end of the line said, I have a dead elephant that I want you to pick up in Los Angeles. And so Cornelius said, yeah, right. You aren't going to get me with that one. But the guy on the other end of the line said, no, I'm serious. I've got a dead elephant that I need you to pick up. And Cornelius again said, look, I know what day it is today, and you aren't going to fool me on April Fool's Day. But the guy was insistent that he was serious. But Cornelius was equally determined that he was not going to be the object of an April Fool's prank. And so he told the guy that if he drove all the way to Los Angeles and if it was a joke, then he was going to have to pay double the fee plus extra for the tow truck that he would have to have to rent. And so the caller agreed and Cornelius drove to Los Angeles. And indeed, there was a dead elephant for him to pick up. He wouldn't believe it until he saw it. I mean, getting a call like that on April Fool's Day would make anyone suspicious, wouldn't it? Well, there were probably some people who saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday and thought that they also were witnessing an April Fool's prank. They had heard about the leader of this new religious movement. There were even rumors that he could have been the long-awaited Messiah, and now They get the opportunity to see him in person, 
to catch a glimpse of him as he triumphantly rides into town to celebrate the Passover with his people. They had heard such amazing stories about this man, his feeding thousands of people with just a a couple of fish and and, and a a few loaves of bread, about his ability to, to heal the sick, to give sight to the blind, to cleanse the lepers, even about his raising his friend Lazarus from the dead after he'd been dead for four days. Could this really be the one that they had been waiting for? Here he comes, those at the front exclaimed as the procession drew near. And those at the back kind of jostle for a, a better look. They, they stretch high on their tiptoes to, to, to catch a glimpse. And they put their, sho- their children on their shoulders so that they can catch a glimpse of this man that they hoped would be their new king. But then they saw him. And their hearts sank. You see, this man that they had heard so much about, this man whom they hoped would deliver them from the iron grip of the Roman government, was not riding in a beautiful chariot. Nor was he on a mighty stallion as Caesar might have been. Instead, he was riding on a donkey. The lowliest animal imaginable. Instead of riding in the the polished convertible like most dignitaries in a parade, Jesus was riding in the clown car. (laughs) What kind of Messiah is this? This was the man that they expected to lead them to victory over their enemies? Where was his armor? Where was the, the pomp and the grandeur that they expected out of, a, out of a leader? I mean, just think if, if one of our candidates for president came to, to town this year, not in a polished limousine with the flags waving, but in a rusted out old pinto. <laughs> what kind of impression would that make? Probably wouldn't get a whole lot of votes. It didn't occur to these people that the prophet Zechariah had foretold that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem while riding a donkey. And later, some of them might remember that. But but at this particular time, it probably felt kind of like an April Fool's joke to see this man that they had heard so much about coming into town on a donkey. But there were others who were not so put off by Jesus' humble means of transportation. You see, they had seen his miracles firsthand. They had listened to his teachings in person. And they knew that he taught, not like the Pharisees taught, but with an authority that could only come from from God. And so as he he made his entrance into Jerusalem, they they spread out their garments and and palm branches out in front of him. 
Those who accepted him as the one that they had been waiting for were exuberant and in their welcome. And they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. For them, this was a great celebration, just as it is for us. But the story of Mark, as Mark tells it, ends very abruptly. You see, after a brief description of the Palm Sunday parade, we read these words. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I want us to focus on those few words about what happened immediately after the Palm Sunday parade. I think it may help us to to set the stage for the rest of of Holy Week that we are entering into today. Jesus has made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and and that entry exhilarated many people, but but some it, it probably deflated because it was so humble. But now it's evening. He's probably feeling a bit of a letdown after such an exciting day. And and soon he will retire with his disciples to Bethany, which was a small village just a couple of miles away. But before he he goes. He has a few moments to kill. And so Mark tells us that he went to the temple and he looked around at everything there. Now, I don't think Mark was was including this tidbit of information just as filler. You know, I don't think he wrote this down in his gospel just to kind of fill things up, fill up the rest of the page. He wanted us to he wanted to be sure that we read this. He wanted to to be sure that we knew that Jesus did this. But why? Well, so much of what would happen in, in the next week would happen in and around the temple and and I just wonder if I just wonder what was going on in Jesus's mind as he looked around the temple during that palm sunday evening was he already offended by the thoughts of the the money changers taking advantages of the worshipers there in the outer courts I wonder if it was then that he decided to confront them the next day or maybe maybe he looked around at the massive stones that made up this temple. And, and I wonder if it was then that it occurred to him to tell his disciples that this mighty temple would soon be destroyed. And indeed, it would be within 40 years of his death. Or, or did his mind turn towards the, the curtain in the temple, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the world, that curtain that would mysteriously be torn in two at the time of his death. Perhaps he was just focused on what would happen to him in the next few days. The betrayal. The mockery of a trial, the scourging, the agony of crucifixion. And Mark Chapter 10, we read that just a few days before this, while they were on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus took his disciples aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going to Jerusalem, he said, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him 
and flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. So you see, Jesus knew what was coming. But these were words that the disciples didn't want to hear. In fact, in many ways, they they refused to hear these words. They still hung on to that dream of overthrowing the ruling powers and setting up a new kingdom in which they would have some positions of authority. But now they were in Jerusalem and his, his words about his death were about to come true. The die was cast. There's no turning back. And so Jesus stood there in the courtyard of the temple. And and we cannot know exactly what was going on in his mind, but we do know a few things as Jesus faced this week. And the first thing that we know about is this. We know about his courage. We know about his courage. Jesus knew what was about to happen to him. He knew about the physical and the emotional pain that he was about to endure. He knew that a cruel and unjust death awaited him, and he dreaded it with all of his being. But he did not cut and run, as many of us would have. Instead, with great bravery, he steadfastly moved towards his destiny. He was a man of great courage. Edward Hughes Pruden once told about a picture that hung above his mantle. It was Heinrich Hoffmann's picture of the boy Jesus at the age of 12 in the temple, talking with the teachers of the law and answering and asking questions. Pruden said that he was intrigued by this picture because it not only told about a great deal about Jesus, but it also told him about those who were standing around him in the temple. The faces of these elderly authorities seemed to indicate that they were, they were thinking of Christ in terms of what might become of him when he grew up. What a fine young rabbi he'll make. He has such a vivid imagination. What, what a scintillating, scintillating personality. Such a persuasive manner. We must see to it that he is called to one of our finest synagogues, for there there he will fascinate large congregations with brilliant messages. He will be highly honored in his community and live to a ripe old age to receive the esteem of his townspeople. They could not see that Jesus would never be swayed by the lure of success. He was set on rattling the gates of hell itself. And nothing would stop him. It takes people with that kind of courage to change the world. So you see, Jesus was a man of courage, but he was also a man of commitment. In just a few days, he will kneel in a garden and pray, My father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to suffer. But he was driven by one motivation, and that was to do the will of God. Ultimately, it was not blind courage that drove him to do what he did, but it was determination. 
to do what God wanted him to do. And this kind of commitment reminds me of a of a man, a, a Japanese social worker who lived during and and before and after the Second World War. His name was Toyohiko Kagawa. Kagawa was a devout Christian, and his faith caused him to, to have a great impact on the working conditions in Japan. He was so well respected that he came to America before the beginning of the Second World War to try to prevent that terrible conflict. And, and even though he failed in his effort, he gained, he, he, uh, gained great international attention for his Christian witness and his selfless work. Years later, Kagawa was on a lecture tour in the United States, and, and two college students were walking across the campus after hearing him speak. And one of them said that he was a little bit disappointed in Kagawa's simple message. But then after a few moments of reflection, the other student said, I I suppose it really doesn't matter what a man might say when he has lived the life, the kind of life that Kagawa has lived. You know, that's true, isn't it? In today's vernacular, it's more important that Kagawa walked the walk instead of talk the talk. And here's the thing. A consecrated life is far more eloquent and convincing than a well-thought-out argument. My friends, the world will not accept the way of Christ just because we can out-talk our spiritual opponents, but only because we can outlive them. Because, you see, such a demonstration of our faith will verify our witness more readily than any other effort that we might engage in. Well, Jesus walked the walk more perfectly than anyone who's ever lived. He, he lived out the ethic which he taught. He was totally committed to doing his father's will. He was a man of courage. He was a man of commitment. And finally, he was a man of absolute, complete compassion. Above everything else during Holy Week, we see the love that took him to the cross. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for a friend. Those were Jesus' words, and that's exactly what he did. He laid down his life for him. For us. On January the 13th, 1982, an airliner crashed into the icy waters of the Potomac River near Washington, D.C. Seventy-nine people were on board that flight, and of that number, only five survived. And each one of those survivors had something in common. You see, they owed their life to another passenger, a 46-year-old bank examiner named Arlen D. Williams. Workers on the, hel- on the rescue helicopter reported that Williams was, only, was one of only a half a dozen people, half a dozen survivors, hanging on to the tail section in the middle of the icy Potomac River when they arrived. Life vests were dropped and a, then a flotation ball, but, but Williams repeatedly spurned the, the, the safety line and passed it on to the, the other five people there were floating in the water in that bitterly cold 
Potomac River. One by one, they were taken away to safety. But by the time the helicopter crew could return for Williams, both he and the plane's tail section had disappeared beneath the surface of the river. He had been in that icy cold river for 29 minutes with five opportunities to be saved. But each time he handed it off to another. His body was later recovered and according to the coroner, Williams was the only passenger to die from from drowning. The rest died on impact. But folks, let me tell you something. He did not so much lose his life as he gave it. He could have gone on the first trip, but he he put everyone else ahead of himself. The man was truly a hero. And later the bridge that the plane hit on its way into the Potomac River was renamed the Arlen D. Williams Memorial Bridge. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for a friend. That's what sent Jesus to the cross. His courage, his commitment, and his absolute compassion as he gave his life for us. Do you have that kind of courage? Do you have that kind of commitment? Do you have that kind of compassion? We don't really know what was going on in his mind during that first Palm Sunday evening as he strolled around the courts of the temple. But we do know how his week ended, don't we? He gave himself for you and for me. Let's let that sink in for just a moment. He gave his life for us. Amen. We are going to remember what he did for us today as we observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper together as God's people. And all are invited to participate in this. Everyone is encouraged and invited to the Lord's table. God turns no one away. Because God loves each and every one of us here. There may be some who say, I'm not worthy of this, but you know what? We are made worthy by the grace of God. But it's something that we do to commune together and to commune with God and specifically to remember that Jesus did give his life for us. And I hope as we take the bread... And the cup, 
we will do just that. We will remember the courage that it took and the commitment and the compassion that Jesus had that led him to that cross. And hopefully it will inspire us to follow him, to be people of courage and commitment and compassion. We will be standing here at the front. We will have the bread and the cup. And we, we ask you to come. We invite you to come beginning at the, at the back and moving down the middle aisle. And you can come to the, to the bread and pick up a piece of bread and move to the side and dip it into the cup. It represents the body of Christ. The blood of Christ. If you cannot come, if you are not able to come or would rather have the traditional manner, then you can just stay at your seat and one of our deacons will serve you at your seat. But it's my prayer that we will do this reverently and in the knowledge that it's God's love for us that led to Christ's death on the cross. Deacons, would you come and prepare and take your places? Let us pray together. Out of our need, we come to you, O God, inviting your presence with us as we observe this ordinance. We come out of our darkness to receive your light, and we come out of our sorrows to receive your joy. We come out of our doubts to receive your certainty. We come out of our anxiety to receive your peace. And so we pray that you would open our hearts, O God, so that you can open your hands of mercy and satisfy our need for you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. given for you. And in the same way, after dinner, he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. As we partake of the bread and the cup today, let us remember what Christ has done for us.
He gave himself for you. Would you come and share in the blood and the body of Christ?
That's how much God loves us, enough to give his life for us. We're going to sing a hymn now. Jesus paid it all. It's number 134 in your hymnal, or it will be on the screen. And that's the message that we are here to convey to you today, that Jesus did pay the ultimate price for all of us. He died on the cross. And of course, next week we will... Remember his resurrection and celebrate his resurrection. But in order to get to the resurrection, there must be a death. And that's what happened. And that's how much God loves us. And that's how committed Christ was to give his life so that we may live. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, we invite you to do that today. To make that commitment to Christ, to follow the Savior who loved you so much that he would die for you. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church as we seek to be God's people in this place. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We'll do that as well. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing together. Jesus paid it all. Number 134. Would you come as we sing?
us bow for our benediction. May we all go forth from here in the forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus. May we go in the assurance of the cleansing of our sins. And may we go claiming the victory we have through the death and resurrection of our Lord. Go forth in the peace that Christ goes with us. Amen.